I was raised on a 40-acre farm in northwest Wisconsin with my parents and four brothers. My parents had bought the farm after the milking barn had burned down, but it still had all the outbuildings and a small lake and nearby woods for us to go and play in. You imagine raising five boys wasn't easy for the parents, so they started uh, raising us using the farm subsistence lifestyle. We did canned goods and ate local fish and game, uh, raised beef and pigs and chickens. My brother started out raising chickens as part of a 4-H project by incubating 50 eggs in his bedroom closet. <laughs> they all hatched, of course, and within a couple of weeks, the smell was getting quite noxious throughout the house, so we had to move them out to the chicken coop where we reared them until they got old enough to become free-range chickens. So over the years, uh, we kept getting more and more chickens, and my parents decided to keep 12 chickens for egg laying and a large rooster. The hens were pretty easy to figure out. They were already laying the eggs and we selected the largest rooster, Fred. Fred was pretty good at watching over the hens and uh, was quite diligent at his duties. <laughs> In subsequent years, we kept getting more and more chickens from the fertilized eggs thanks to Fred. So soon we had a more than 100 chickens running around the yard, again, free range. They were in the garden when we were weeding, they were sitting on top of the cars when we were going up to school in the morning and everything. Well, about four years later, we moved to the edge of town uh, on 10 acres so we could get my mother closer to uh, medical treatment. She had just had a stroke. We took 12 egg-laying hens and, of course, Fred the Wonder Chicken with us. Soon the neighbor dogs and the local foxes had decimated the hen house down to where the only chicken remaining was Fred. The hens had a habit of when the dogs would come, they would run away, making them easy targets for uh, being bitten. Fred, on the other hand, would turn, beak snarled, talons in full force, and battle the chickens. And of course, Fred had the advantage that he could fly away. So, over. Over time, Fred uh, became, again, the only chicken, so he became a quasi-pet for the house. We would even take him cruising in the car on weekends. <laughs> you gotta remember, this is Wisconsin dairy land, so there's not a whole lot going on. <laughs> we wouldn't have other uh, little parlor trick with him where we could hypnotize him by laying his back in the hollow and just moving your fingers real quickly in front of him, and he would lay there on his back for two or three minutes. Bark! As long as no one disturbed him, he'd be fine, and eventually he would pop back up. So. He also had a habit that uh, on cooler evenings, he would, he would roost himself up on the kitchen steps rail right underneath the stove exhaust so he could keep warm. If you were coming in later at night after a couple of beers or trying to sneak a girl in, Fred would let, you know that, let mom know that you were home. On really cold nights, uh, we would put Fred down in the wood cellar with feed and water and that because it got really cold back then. On January 30th, 1982, it was 22 degrees below zero. We had been in a cold snap that entire week. Uh, the windows on the house were frozen over. There was icicles in the seams. We had taken old clothing and towels and shoved them in the windows as hillbilly insulation to keep the drafts out. On that morning, I was recovering in my bed after knee surgery the week before. My two oldest brothers were off at college, my mother and youngest brother were at uh, a hockey tournament, and my dad was checked out. 
My next older brother, Casey, had contracted pneumonia, and he and his girlfriend brought in some baby kittens to my room with a bowl of milk so that the kittens could be fed without the dog and the cat drinking their milk. I woke up, said, yeah, sure. Took another Percocet and went back to bed. <laughs> I woke up about an hour later to the mother cat clawing at the door and meowing. I smelled something burning and figured my brother was home make burning breakfast. I reached down and removed the towel that was keeping the drafts out from underneath my door to let the cat in. As I opened the door, I saw the entire hallway was filling with smoke. I quickly surmised it was a fire, even under Percocet. <laughs> I slithered on my belly over to my brother's room, picking up the phone, and it was already dead. Remember, this was corded phone days. I looked down the railing, and I could see that the, fire, that the landing was already on fire and flames were looking out. I called out, but no one answered. I quickly returned to my room, and uh, I had, because it was so cold, I already had my socks and sweats and a t-shirt on. I threw on a hoodie, emptied out my hockey bag, and threw the kittens and the mother cat in there. I knew I wasn't going out down the steps. I grabbed my crutches and went over to my old room because I knew the outside there was, over the porch, there was a, the roof was a slower drop down to the, to the ground. I used my crutches and busted out that frozen window as well and got out onto the porch. I used my crutches to lower the kittens down onto the ground. <laughs> and I knew there was a low-hanging branch and I swung on that until I was far enough out to drop down into the snowbank snow angel style so I wouldn't wreck my knee. <laughs> At the time, I forgot that my brand new knee brace was still sitting in my bed that I had never even worn. I worked my bit over to the kitchen door, opened it up and yelled again, no one answered. I grabbed a pair of shoes and my hockey skates. You never know when you're gonna need your hockey skates. <laughs> Even at this moment, I was like, hey, gotta get my skates out. Not thinking I just dumped all the rest of my hockey gear out up in my room. I worked over to the neighbor's house and uh, quickly called the fire department and left the kittens in there with them. The fire department was there rather quickly and my neighbor had brought over a coat so I could stay warm. The fire department quickly learned that the house was actually a chimney fire from a supplemental stove we had in the basement and the only way to put the fire out was to knock the walls down. They were able to uh, remove a lot of the family heirlooms and that out of the salon. And, uh, but other than that, everything was lost other than what I was wearing. Over, this is a small town, so over time, people were coming by and seeing what was going on. You know, not much going on in the middle of winter. I managed to give away all the kittens at that time, and soon, <laughs> and soon my brother returned from the doctor. He had gone there for the pneumonia and getting his pills and everything. He gave me and the dog a ride over to a friend of mine's, and uh, he went on to tell my mother what had happened. So That evening my friends, trying to console me and show me a good time. <laughs> Got a couple of 12 packs and went over to the house. The, all the structure was completely burned down. There was nothing left it other, other than a lot of glowing embers in the bottom, including where the wood cellar had been. I didn't get them a thought to Fred. As I'm standing there, looking around, thinking about it, I hear a soft, caw, caw. 
I work my way over to the corner of the foundation and under a set of scorched lilac trees covered with soot, there was Fred roosting warm on the corner of the foundation. <laughs> Fred lived a long, happy life after that. He still survived. <laughs> Thank you.